As you remain standing for the reading of God's holy word, this is the year of supernatural revelation, the year 2016, in which we declared on the first Sunday of this year that God will bless us through the power of his word. He said to you that if you love God's word, you would love this year. This year is not about the shout, it's not about falling out, it is about getting into God's word and having his word speak to you. How many of you have been touched and changed by God's word this year? Amen. This second series of the year is called A Right Now Word, in which we examine 12 parables in the Gospels that Jesus shared with his followers. This is the 12th and the final message of this series the next series begins the first Sunday in September. You have the handout in which we are declaring an encouraging word. We will examine 12 messages from the Psalms. This 12th parable is found in the gospel that has been recorded by St. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 41 through verse 46, the New Living Translation. Hear the reading of God's holy word. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you curse ones, unto the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? <laughs> Note the question. And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. And the church that loves God's word said amen. Before you sit down, catch someone by the hand, and here's the subject. For this final 12th message of this series, hold those hands, squeeze those hands, and say the least of these. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The least, the least of these. The least of these. For we are living in times in which it seems, to me at least, in my opinion, as if some people would do almost anything to get close to or to establish a relationship with those they consider to be, quote, VIPs. We know what that stands for, very 
important people. The things we do to try to get close to the right people, try to network, try to forge a relationship with influential, important, and I use this under quotations, people. In this age in which we live in, this age in which people are considered to be important, they are considered to be influential simply because they are popular, simply because they are well known, or they may be famous, and not because of anything they may have done to help others or to make this world a better place. People become important in their own minds. You say it long enough, there's somebody that will believe it. Amen. People are influential and famous for nothing other than being famous. I heard something I read, I guess, in one of Time Magazine's end-of-the-year editions several years ago. They were examining Hollywood and, and, and those who are stars and those who have the greatest social media followers. It came across a family that I wasn't even familiar with, but I read about it and found myself being familiar with it through the article called The Kardashians. See, yeah, y'all know who I'm talking about. I say The Kardashians, and they says they have more social media followers than anybody else. And then I later discovered the names of some Kim or some, I don't even know, somebody married to somebody and all of this. And I read the article, and here's what Time Magazine said that blew my mind. It says, they are famous for being famous. And when you read the article about all the other people who, who invented uh, all kinds of things, doctors who, heart transplants, and people who are out there, the Mother Teresas of the world, and other people that are out there doing things to help others, I read this story about the Kardashians. And all I could read was that they were popular because they were popular. They were famous for being famous. And nothing social actively they've done to change the world. The article says, you would be surprised how many young adults want to be like them simply because they are popular. You would be surprised how many folk emulate, and this is no disrespect to this person, the Beyonce's of the world, simply because they're popular. Just because you can sing doesn't mean that you've done anything to make the world better. Just because you're talented and popular doesn't mean that you ought to be emulated. And when you look at it, and when it was all said and done, and you ask yourself, what have they done to make this world a better place? And the answer is, quite disappointingly, nothing much. Here's what the Lord said to me. He says, we as a society are in a serious need of a paradigm shift. We need an attitude shift. We need to shift who we call important and influential. We need to shift our mindset of who we emulate and try to be like. 
We need to shift our values and put more value on people whose names are not known, but their deeds are felt all over the world. Why? Because we've got people today that want to grow up and be like these famous, popular, do-nothing people. But I declare and decree on this Sunday in August that the devil is a liar. You can do better. Tell somebody you can do better. Listen, God dropped this word in my spirit and we tweeted it out and sent it out by Facebook and others over the weekend as a teaser for the message. We need people who are less concerned about what they can do with VIPs and more concerned with what they can do for LOTs. Now let me explain it to you. VIPs, very important people. LOTs, the least of these. What if we spent as much time trying to get close to the LOTs as we do to the VIPs? What if our eulogy at the end of our life is that they help somebody who is in need that no one else knew anything about. Touch your neighbor and say the LOTs mean a whole lot more than the VIPs. Amen. Getting close to the Kardashians and the Beyonce's or anybody else can't get you into heaven. When it's all said and done, God's not going to check how many Facebook friends you have, how many likes you got on your posts, how many Twitter followers you have. When it's all said and done, God's going to say, what have you done to make this world a better place? When it's all said and done, God is not going to ask us the size of our congregations. God is not going to be impressed about how many people we preach to on Sundays. I told the church at 8 o'clock, I am sick and tired of when I'm confronted by people who know I'm a pastor, and particularly with other pastors, you get asked the same questions all over again. How many people were at church? What size is your congregation? Other question is, how much money do you take up? And I politely ignore the questions. I am just waiting on somebody to say, how many poor people you helped? last week how many elderly people you kept from having their lights cut off last week how many single mothers you went and helped them raise their sons last week how many people that were in need you went to last week because when it's all said and done the Lord's not looking for somebody who can sing you happy just for the record Satan was a praise and worship leader. Satan, the most gifted of all people, led the angelic praise and worship team. And I would imagine he could sing people happy. But he had an evil spirit. Oh, I'm preaching now. There are a whole lot of church folk with church spirits, but evil spirits just because you go to church 
that mean you're doing the right thing. Oh, I'm preaching, don't y'all get mad at me. Your title does not dictate your relationship with the Lord. Where you sit in church is no reflection of where you stand in the kingdom. I know a whole lot of folk who sit up front in church that won't even squeeze through heaven's doors. And I know some folk you won't even hardly allow to sit in your church that would be sitting around the kingdom of God. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody now. Somebody shout the least of these. Listen, the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had a very interesting and powerful quote. Here is the quote that Martin Luther King says, and I'll put it on the board so that you can see it. He says, and I'll quote, life's most persistent question is, what are you doing for others? Life's most persistent question is, what are you doing for others? Not how many folk show up at your church. Not how we had church today. Pastor preaching. Folk fell out. Life's most persistent question is not how many degrees are behind your name. Leave the quote on the board. I want you to see. Life's most persistent question is not how people think about you in your sorority or in your fraternity. Life's most persistent question is not how popular you are, but what are you doing for others? Has your living been in vain? Bigger houses doesn't mean that God is impressed with you. New outfits doesn't mean that you're walking in God's favor. But when it's said and done, and it's just you and God, nobody else, can God say to you that you served me so faithfully because you did things that you didn't have to do, not because you had your name called. Being a good person doesn't mean that you go to the urban leagues and your dinner. Doesn't mean that you contribute to the Red Cross. Let me tell you something, I've never been more disappointed in my life with the Red Cross than I was during the flood in October. And I told the leaders of the Red Cross locally who I know and I've known for a long time because I know people that were in need in East over South Carolina, Sister Cynthia Brown and others whose houses were totally destroyed. And I know companies like International Paper and others that gave them millions of dollars that sit blocks from where the houses were destroyed. And I sent them the Red Cross and they lost everything and Red Cross gave them $50. Millions of dollars given, $50 given. So I'm sick of organizations that have great dinners and have great social things and where the bougie can come together and rub each other's shoulder and make them feel less guilty because they've contributed to the Urban League or contributed to the Red Cross. You're not going to be judged by how many Urban League dinners you go to. But who do you help? that nobody knows. 
Who do you help when the old lady has a roof torn off and when her light bill is $500 and her social security is $325? What do you do then? You can shout all day long, but shouting doesn't keep her lights on. You can brag about how large your church is and how many people attend your Sunday morning services and all of those things. But at the end of the day, if you take in more than you give out, then you're not represented in the kingdom of God. For God wants us to bless those that are the least of these. And when nobody calls your name, you can say, Lord, I've done everything I can to help somebody in need. We are ultimately going to be judged not by what we do for those who may one day be able to benefit us in return. Reciprocity is not the anointing. You know what reciprocity means that you do for me, I do for you. That is not a kingdom principle. Reciprocity is an investment. And even people like Donald Trump understand reciprocity. But when you are for the kingdom, you help people that can't do anything for you but say thank you. You help folk that will not ever be able to bless you in return. What I am the most proud of, of this ministry, is what we do through our social action ministry. And I tell people with pride that 100% of everything we take up for social action goes for that. None of it goes for administration. I refuse to allow any money we take up to help others go to keep the lights on or to pay somebody's salary. If you give it in social action, it'll go to help somebody else. If you give it for because we care, it ought to help somebody who is in need. I'm sick of these pseudo charitable organizations that spend more on them Sells than the least of these. Come on, somebody. But if you want to represent the kingdom of God, ask yourself, when was the last time you helped somebody less fortunate than you are? When was the last time you went out of your way to bless somebody who could only look at you with tears in their eyes and say thank you? That is the challenge. That is the challenge for us as individual Christians. That is the challenge for us as a ministry that when it's all said and done, somebody will come to us and say, if it had not been for you, my grandmama would have had her lights cut off. Had not been for you, we would not have had food to eat, clothes on our backs. Look at the text, if you will. In this text, look at what Jesus says about our responsibilities for the least of these. Our text consists of what is believed to have been Jesus' final parable. It is a part of what is known in biblical scholarship as the Olivet Discourse. It consists of two chapters in Matthew, chapters 24 and 25, in which Jesus predicts his second coming and tells of the judgments which are to follow. This final parable of Jesus is referred to as the parable of the separation 
of the sheep from the goat. We saw in other parables the separation between the wheat and the tare, wheat and the weeds. This parable separates the sheep and the goats. In first century Palestine, the sheep and the goats often grazed together. They often ate together in the same field, often uh, ate together in the same place. But the difference between the sheep and the goat uh, was their nature. I'm going somewhere. You can, you can hang out with a sheep, but your nature makes you a goat. Amen. There are a whole lot of folk that hang out in the right places, but their nature makes them mean, evil, and, and, and not caring at all. So Jesus in this parable warns those who claim to be his followers that he is one day coming back and he will judge the church age. And we will be judged not just on our acceptance of Jesus as our personal savior, but as also it relates to our actions and our inactions towards others. How you treat other people matters. May I say it again? How you treat other people matters. You can sing as much as you want. You can fall out. You can shout. You can speak in 20 tongues. But if you're mean and evil and don't treat people right, hell is your home. Pastor, that's pretty judgmental. No, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just reading the scripture, okay? Because I, I, I can't predict where you're going to go, but your actions and inactions will determine it. When it's all said and done, we're not going to be judged by how many songs we sing and how, and how much money we take up and how many sermons I preach. The Lord said there will be some things that you will be held accountable to. So he begins this parable in verses 31 and 33, and he says to his disciples, when the Son of Man comes in all of his glory, the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne, and all nations will gather in his presence, and God will separate who? the people as the shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will place the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Uh, the sheep are identified as faithful believers who not only worship and believe in the Lord, but also represented the kingdom of God by their genuine acts of kindness, love, and mercy towards everybody, particularly the least of these. Sheep are people who led by example. Sheep are folk that didn't always tout their own successes, but did what God wanted them to do, meek and lowly. Folk that did not need recognition, did not always need a pat on the back. They didn't do it because folk called their name. They did it because it was the right thing to do. The goats were those who selfishly lived their lives thinking of no one other than themselves. People who only think, how can I get ahead? People who only think, what can I do to make it? People who always think, how can I help those that are close to me? Goats are by nature selfish. Goats are by nat nature uh, animals that, that rarely share anything. 
Goats will fight each other just to eat the last piece of grass. Uh, by their nature, they don't share a thing of anybody other than themselves. What God says, what Jesus says in this powerful parable is some of us live our lives as if we're goats. Uh, we only think of what we can get for ourselves. We pimp God. We run to God when we need something from him. When we're low on money, when we're low on provisions, when things are not going right in our life, we fall out, run to the altar. We've got to take a crowbar just to pry you up. Slobbing and spitting all over the altar. I can't get you up. Know something's going wrong in your life. But where are you when things are going right? Why can't you bless somebody else? Where are you when you got two cards? Where are you when you got money in the bank? Where are you when you say, Pastor, I don't know if I can come to church this week because I got something. It's all right to enjoy a life and we ought to enjoy a life. But don't you enjoy a life at the expense of the kingdom. He says the goats are selfish, egotistical, always thinking of themselves. And so the Lord says to the sheep, I have a special place for you because you were so caring, you, you were so loving, showed mercy. I'm going to set you aside in heavenly places. But then he turns in verses 42 and 43 to those that are on his left. And he says, I want you to know that I can, Jesus says, I personally identify with those that are in need. Look at what he says in the text. He says to them in verse 42, he says, I was hungry. Five times in two verses, he uses the word I was. He said, I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you did not give me anything to drink. I was a stranger and homeless, and you never invited me to your house. You never tried to minister to me. I did not have clothes. I, I struggled to send my kids back to school. You had 10 pair tennis shoes, and I couldn't even buy one for my own family. And as you were buying the 10th pair, you never thought about asking somebody else, can I bless you with one? I was in need, and you never came to see about me. I was sick, and I was in prison, and you never visited me. Thank you, Elder Randolph Franklin. Thank you to the prison ministry, all the other, the homeless ministry, those that get up 7 o'clock in the morning. Thank you to even some of our senior deacons, Deacon Montague Thompson and others who get up 7 o'clock on Saturday morning just to feed the homeless when nobody calls your name. Thank you because you put honor behind your badge. Thank you, ministers, because you put honor behind your titles. And the Lord looks at those who only can do for themselves. And God said, when I was in need, you did nothing. Look at the text. Then the goat asked the question, Lord, when did we ever see you in need? Because I am quite sure 
that if we ever saw you homeless, we would have helped you. In fact, you stayed at Martha and Mary's house. You stayed at Peter's house. We gave you food to eat. Other folk wash your feet with their hair. When did we ever see you, Jesus, going through anything and we didn't help you? And the Lord said, but you don't get it. It's not about what you did for Jesus, but it's about what you did for those that I represent, the least of these. For when you refuse to help the least of these, you have refused to help me. Jesus said, I know you would have helped me because you want to get close to me because you think I can help you back. But what have you done to help somebody? Uh, is your living in vain? Is your church going in vain? Is your preaching Pastor Jackson in vain building of edifice and building buildings is it in vain because when God comes back if all you have are names on the building and you can't point to anybody whose life you made better than your living has been in vain but if I can help somebody touch your neighbor and say neighbor if I can encourage somebody, if I can lift somebody's spirit, if I can make somebody's life better, if I can just put my arms around somebody and say, baby, hang in there. Trouble won't last always. If I can share the little bit I have, the little oil in my barrel, if I can just give what I have, I don't have much, but if there's anybody that need it, you can have what I have because God has been good to me. If I can help somebody, then my living, look at somebody say, then my living, when it's all said and done, and the Lord calls the role, deacon so-and-so, elder so-and-so, pastor so-and-so, lead singer so-and-so, usher so-and-so. Can God say, what have you done that nobody else knows about it? When nobody called your name, have you helped somebody? Can you say, Lord, I've done all I can do. And what you gave me, I shared with others. And, I, and if I had it and they need it, I shared it. Tell you something. What I am most proud of is that when we put the challenge out, church ought to be a place we put the challenge out a year or so ago. That there was a mother in this church, single mother, had a daughter suffering from cancer, lost her car because she chose to pay the medical bills and not her car payment. She and her daughter, we found out, were catching the bus to go to chemo. Broke our hearts one Tuesday night, put the cry out. This mama needs a car. This single mother needs transportation. And before church was over, 
Somebody walk up to the altar, took their keys out of their pocket and said, Pastor, starting tonight, she'll never have to catch the bus again. That, and so they never had their name called. We didn't have a special recognition for them. But there's a special place in heaven. There was another single mother came to the church. She was homeless, didn't have a place to stay. Wasn't even a member of the church. You know the testimony. One Tuesday night, got up and said, there's a need. She needs a house. She needs furniture. She needs bedroom suits. She needs everything before church was over. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God for the sheep. Uh, she had four bedrooms fully furnished. Social action ministry took over the furniture, put a TV in the house, food in the refrigerator. She came with tears in her eyes, and she said, why didn't y'all help me? I've slept in my car for the last month with my two kids, and now for the first time in two months, we can sleep on a bed. You know what she said? She didn't say, Bible way is good. She said, God is good. Because this is not about Bible way. This is about representing the kingdom. God is good. When you help somebody else, God ought to get the glory. God ought to get the glory. And we never asked her to join the church. In fact, she went back to her own church, but she didn't go back homeless. She went back with a house full of furniture, saying somebody asked her what happened to her. We purposely said to her, don't give our name out. When they ask you, how did you get help? Say to God be the glory. She went back to her own church and they said, what happened to you? And she said, God be the glory because somebody helped her. I'm sick of these kingdom building ministries. That's all about what they have. How many people worship with them? How many people they can touch through their own ministry? God says when it's said and done by the way, we stayed in this community when we could have left. Someone shared something with me, and as we prepare for the altar, I would tell you this. When I heard it at first, Mother Jackson, they said it almost as a backhanded insult. They said, I went to your wellness center, and quite honestly, it was kind of run down. And it says, I understand why. Because they said, you all let anybody in. And y'all let them play in all the time. People from the community, anybody can come and use your center. And they said to me, thought they were helping me. It says, you ought to consider limiting the access to your members only. And I looked at it, Deacon Marlin, and I said, it is kind of run down. And the Lord said, but it's been around a long time. And the Lord says, flip the script. It ain't an insult, it's a compliment. It's run now because it's used. And you know what I said, Pastor Lawson, and you know it because you've been there from the beginning. I said, thank God, I'd rather it be run down and used 
than to be pretty and nobody uses it. Because when it's used, God gets the glory. When a single mother can drop her child off and say, you can stay in that gym for three hours after school and play basketball and I know you'll be safe, God gets the glory. When the Boy Scouts say you can stay there all day Saturday, God gets the glory. When, when, when teenage mothers can come, God gets the glory. So I flipped the script and I began to praise God. And God said, call them back and say, thank you for your advice, but you know you blessed me. And they said, what do you mean? How did I bless you? I said, you just told me that we're doing the right thing. I said, I'm so glad that the floor is worn out. I'm so glad that there are holes on the wall. I'm so glad that rowdy children marked up our walls because that let me know that somebody was there using the building. We can paint the walls. We can put a new floor in. We can put a new rim on the basketball goal. But you can't replace the presence of God. I'm sick of pretty edifices and sedated people. They can't be touched by other people. I'm sick of spiritual country clubs that is only you and your group. If somebody can't walk in our midst that does not look like us and does not dress like us and do, and do not feel as if that they can be a part of what God is doing, there's something wrong. And I told God, I want you to move me out the way. I never preside over a Taj Mahal. I'm not a bougie pastor. And if you're looking for Jack and Jill, and, and if you're looking for folk to pat you on the back because of your outfit, you're in the wrong place and you got the wrong pastor. But if you want to impress me, you let me know what you've done. If you want to impress the kingdom, you let me know for what you've done for the least of these. Stand to your feet all over this place. Come back on Tuesday night and we'll finish this message and share with you three key observations. But the fact of the matter is we need each other. Look at somebody and says, I need you, you need me. Our great friend and a product of Bible Way of Brooklyn, New York, Bishop Hezekiah Walker wrote this song. We are a part of God's body. Stand with me. Tell somebody, agree with me. We are a part of God's body. It is his will that every need be supplied. Please look at someone and say, you are important to me. Tell them I need you to survive. Leave your seats wherever you are. Come on, God wants to change some attitudes. Come on, leave your seats where you are. This is the last parable, but it is a challenge to all of us here today. Come on, it's not about you. It's not about the church. It is about God.
Lord is challenging all of us. somebody and say, I'll pray for you. Come on, listen. I pray for you. You pray for me. You pray for me. I love you. I need you. Listen, I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I need you. by the hand. For those of you that are joining us by way of internet, we touch and agree with us. Those of you that are listening by way of radio, we are blessed to be a blessing. If God has blessed you, he doesn't bless us so that we can brag about how well off we are. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. I believe from the depths of my heart, one of the reasons why God blessed this ministry in such a powerful way, Mother Jackson, is because from the onset of this ministry, the founders of this ministry knew 
that they were to be a blessing to others. People that didn't have much, what they had, they gave to others. I thank God for ministry started by our late Bishop Jackson, social action ministry that's still going on today, some 40 years or so later, in which people can come off the street and says, I need help. And we can help them without asking them their denomination, what church you go to. Why? Because God can trust us with a blessing. Can God trust you with a blessing? Now it's all a change from the inside. The only way you can overcome selfishness, the only way you can overcome this it's all about me attitude is that you need a relationship with the Lord. Only God can change a goat into a sheep. It, it, it takes a radical change by God. And if you don't know God, if you haven't committed to the Lord, if you've not committed to something greater than you, listen, God appreciates your attendance in church. But when it's all said and done, he wants to know, have you committed to something greater than you? And if you haven't, ask yourself the question, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Have you committed to something more powerful than yourself? <laughs> you committed to something even greater than Bible way. I'm talking about to the kingdom of God. Are you an example for the children that you're raising in your house? When they say to you, mama, daddy, why haven't we joined the church? Why haven't we committed? Why aren't we involved? question is that's your responsibility you've got to bless others by allowing God to use you and God is saying right now that I, I, I am raising sheep that will hear my voice and follow me there's so much to do for the kingdom there's so many needs for the kingdom and you know what I thank God that the floors are worn out at the wellness center. I, I thank God that people can come and hang out there and we don't have a litmus test. It's not about where you're from or who your parents are, but it is about the need that are in your life. I give God the glory. Our purpose is to let our light so shine that others may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. If you don't have that relationship with the Lord, after we pray this prayer, meet us at this altar. Say, here I am, Lord. I, I want to be a sheep. I want to follow you. I, I, I want my life to reflect your presence in my life. I want to demonstrate love, kindness, and mercy. And I know I can't do it when my heart is the way it is. You want to make that commitment, then God will change your heart. God is not concerned about your outfit. God is concerned about your heart. He's concerned about what kind of person you are. Amen. Close those eyes. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you this day. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that there's a special place for sheep. 
There's a special place for those who help those that are less fortunate than they are. I thank you for every promotion you've given us. I thank you for, for every blessing you've given us. But remind us, it is not so that we can stand out among our peers. It is so that we can help those that are in need. Have your way, Lord. Use us in a mighty way. Here we are, Lord, with all of our flaws and all of our shortcomings. Change our nature. Change our heart. Make us to be sheep, not goat. Bless, Lord. Bless us so that we can bless somebody else. In Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your arms around somebody and say, I need you and you need me. I pray for you. If you want to make that commitment, come on. This would be a good day for you to become a part of God's church. Come on. Come on. Stand right here. Come on. If you want to make that commitment today, you want to recommit your life to the Lord. God. Come on. Wherever you are, if you're here today, God, I need Come on, God is calling you. If you want to say, here I am, Lord. I won't harm you. Wherever you are, walk down those aisles right now. Thank you, young lady. Amen. Come on, clap your hands. Come on, give God a hand of praise for this special young lady. Somebody else, come on. God is calling you. This is bigger than Bible way. Come on. God says, come right now. Amen. Wherever you are, come right now. God's calling you. I need you. Amen. Somebody else, if you're here, amen. If you're here, give God a hand of praise for this wonderful young lady. Amen. Come on. I need you. Amen. Let's praise God.